Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. If you're listening to this, it is 2021. You did it. You did it. Congratulations. You made it. I hope it's better over there. In 2021, we're hoping for... You know, looking forward to the end of uh, a real blight on on our lives that's caused us a, a lot of pain and frustration and, and fear. Uh, we also hope COVID goes away. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for the punchline. <laughs> but here, Rebecca and I are to talk about our favorite things. We are we're finding diamonds in the rough. Um, the pearls that were cast before the swine of 2020. We're going to talk about the things we liked from this year that were not books, though I do have one book on here, which is, I'll tell I'll say I why too. I didn't include it before. Movies, TV, food, things, whatever. These, these are the things that we liked from this yeah. year. Always a fun show. It Hard is. to remember what happened this year, of course, but uh, a fun a fun show to do. I had to literally walk around my house looking at things this yes. time around and be yeah. like, what did I, what have I done this year? <laughs> But I have some things here for the best All right. of the rest. So before we get into it, um, let's do our first sponsor break. And do we want to group by category or we just want to go? Oh, let's do category. All right. I so sponsor break while we figure out what to do. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eyelid. Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased more sus when he and Shuei barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international best-selling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tommen series from Chloe Walsh. So Tommen's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsy Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild at heart childhood best friend. 
So The Boys of Tommen series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon worthy TikTok books, and angsty tearjerkers. Taming Seven is published today and it's the fifth book in the series. So make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay. Where do you want to go first, Rebecca? Um, T- I guess the big category is TV, movies, mm-hmm. food, music, maybe. I'm not sure. Do you have any th- anything, that doesn't, anything that doesn't fall in those categories? Let's do that first, maybe. I just have some stuff. I have okay, a category let's do stuff. called yeah. stuff. Um, I spent a lot of time in pajamas this year, mm. and I decided, I think around May, that I wanted to treat myself to something that would feel nice and would also be kind of like whimsical that I could just enjoy putting on if I was going to be in casual clothes around the house, like even more than usual. And I wasn't splurging on other things. So I splurged on a robe from Print Fresh that has, um, they're like really soft, nice cotton robes that get softer every time you wash them. Um, It has a, it's mine is yellow with like purple monkeys running around around on it and pink palm trees they're very zany i just mm-hmm. bought a friend one that the design is called queen lotus and it's like navy blue with swans that have like pink tutus on <laughs> <laughs> i remember being like bob like we share a credit card so i've been like you're gonna see a, a thing for a bathroom on here and then you're obviously i'm gonna be parading around in this and i just need to warn you it's ridiculous and it makes me happy like that's awesome yeah, it was. I was very happy that I did it, and you know, I would you know take my bubble bath in the evenings and wrap up in my cute robe, or if I had to, you know, like get up in the morning and noodle around making coffee, and it did make a difference. I just was, you know, I just wanted something colorful that felt like I chose to be spending time inside, even mm. though I hadn't really been choosing to, and like it made me feel in a real sort of drag of a moment where it was like, oh r- right, spending two weeks wearing masks was not going to knock this virus down. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And actually, I think around May was when we were all coming to terms with like really how long this was probably yeah. going to last. Yeah. And uh, like, I won't lie, it was a good dopamine hit the day that I bought it. Um, mm. But I really liked it. I also bought one of their candles, which smelled really great. So if you go to if you're shopping, you know, it's 2021 by the time you're listening to this. So it's too late for holiday gifts. But if you need to treat yourself or someone in your life, they have robes and cute pajamas and I think journals and nice candles. And I really was happy that I that I did that this year. Mine is similar in spirit, but totally different in physical manifestation. Um, I'm not a picky person, Rebecca Shinsky. I think I you know this about me. I'm not actually that picky. You. Yeah. But... There are certain things I am picky about. And actually, there's two things. Um, my, my darling Michelle, is an extreme. she has wonderful taste. That's another way of saying she's extremely picky, um, <laughs> which is something that makes me feel good about me because what a bigger choice is there than that. On the other hand, most of the time, it's you care more. I'll help you make a decision you're comfortable with. But you know, I'm here for you, not for the decision, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Except there's two categories I've found that this is not true about. One One is coffee. coffee. One of them is coffee. She enjoys the benefits of my pickiness. Um, And the other one is Christmas trees. And my mom is a big Christmas decorator, always has been. Um, She does it up. 
and I don't do the whole the whole full spread Christmas decoration, but I like a real tree, mm-hmm. and I like to light it myself properly. Yep. So I've got two picks for Christmas tree related things for those of you out there who care about this. Like one is it for a real tree. Now you can't get them everywhere because it's you know funny how geography works. But if you can get yourself a noble fir, that is the Christmas tree to beat all. Is the AeroPress of Christmas trees? <laughs> Wonderful, short, thick needles, easy to light, easy to put ornaments on. Wonderful shape. Holds water well, can last for weeks and weeks and weeks after it's been cut and still hold up beautifully. It smells great. Bar none, the single best kind of tree you can get. So if you've ever, if you're in a noble fir area, go get yourself one. They were a little scarce this year. They grow a little bit slower, so they're, they're more expensive to get at a larger size. But if you're picky, you pay the price. Also, if, you need, if you're going to get a real Christmas tree, you got to put that sucker in something. Mm-hmm. You need a Christmas tree stand. And if you're like I am, I'm going to have real Christmas trees for as long as I can lift up a Christmas Same. tree. Invest in a good Christmas tree stand. And the best one out there, made by these Germans, it's a Krinner Tree Genie Double XL. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's the size of a spaceship and twice as heavy, but it will hold your Christmas tree. It's easy to get in and get out. It costs about 100 bucks, but if you amortize it over 50 years, that's $2 a year of making it easy to get your Christmas tree in and out. If you've ever had like the bog standard metal one with the screws in the side and you've been down there like trying to screw it in the trunk, let me tell you, friends, in the year of our Lord 2021, do not do that. Don't do it. Go look at a critter. It has this you, this pedal and these like claws that go around the edge that are like connected by wires and you don't have to get in there perfectly straight. You can kind of do it and easy to adjust and Big reservoir for the water, the Crinny, Crinner Tree Genie Double XL. Too late for this year. Maybe you can find one on sale. They don't go on sale. Don't trust me. I've looked. They don't need to put them on sale. That's how good they are. The Germans know how to do with a Christmas tree. It's oh, Tannenbaum is German yep. for a Christmas tree. There's a whole song about Christmas trees in German. That's the one foreign song we know about holidays times, except for all the, you know, the Latin crap. We don't care about that. The modern Christmas carol that everyone knows the German is Tannenbaum. There's a reason for that because the Germans know how to do a tree. Get yourself a noble fir in the Krinner Tree Genie XXL, and you too can live that Christmas tree life like I do. I could not be more delighted that this is the (laughs) second thing you're super picky about. You can have your very own living serrated crescendo, Jeff O'Neill. Now all I see is a big tortilla chip. That's a secondary (laughs) problem, but... That's that's I'm, my pick. I am also firmly on the get a living Christmas tree train. Um, weirdly, because of Richmond weather, about half of the time it means going out when it's like 65 and sunny yeah. to cut down a Christmas tree. This year we were sweating, <laughs> hauling mm-hmm. our Christmas tree up to the checkout aisle. I am going to have to look into this magical Christmas tree stand. Does the wire cutter have a section for Christmas tree stands? Because I feel like you could get yourself a freelance gig there. Yeah, I'm sure this has to be their pick because I've looked this up. Like I looked it up. This is, I think, our third year with this stand. Um, but again, it's not something you can find in stores. It's not going to sell it to you in Home Depot. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't. You have to get it online from like the Germans or whatever you're going to do. And it's not. It's not inexpensive, but it's one of those things that you know if you do if you if you muck with real trees, the in and out is tough. That's the worst part. Um, and this makes that part a lot easier, makes the whole process more fun. Weirdly, I don't really care about going to cut it down because, I, you know, I, I don't I don't need to go harvest my own coffee beans. I just want the right bean. Uh, yeah, you know, I need the ritual. 
yeah, that's fine. You you, yeah. you come for what you come for what brought you. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, those are my picks. Okay, well, I think we've established a, 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 a properly idiosyncratic tone. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to go next? One more in the stuff category, okay. I think. Um, I did burn a lot of candles this year. Mm. Um, I took a lot of bubble baths and burned a lot of candles, and I settled on some faves. Yes. Um, a friend sent me, this is like squarely in an idiosyncratic gift. A friend sent me a moss scented candle from a company called Makers of Wax Goods. And it was. <laughs> I like that. That just, okay, Makers of Wax Goods. That's <laughs> right? Cool. It's perfect. Uh, and it was appropriately like earthy and just very nice. I really enjoyed that. And then when I was like at, at Whole Foods one day, you know, there's always like mm. the, the section of Whole Foods that has the essential oils and the soaps and stuff. And um, I think at least the ones here, have tables of sort of local goods. And there's a local to Virginia candle company called Thicket. And Hmm. all of their candles are also inspired by nature scents. So there's like, you know, lavender sandalwood situation and um, a few others. And I've really liked those. The holders are really nice and sort of like Hmm. look like this soft gray organic material. They encourage you when you've burned all of the candle out to just like put some rocks in it and use it to replant a little succulent or like reuse these things. Don't just throw them away. And some of them are lotion candles, which is a thing I had never heard of before. But the intent, yeah, this is a truly weird science that after you have burned the candle and there's wax just sort of sitting in the top, like you have to wait a little while while it cools, but you can like scoop your hand into the like soft, freshly melted wax and rub it onto your skin as lotion. And it's huh. it, like, so it, I did not believe that it would work, um, but I did some science and it does. <laughs> it felt very moisturizing. Interesting. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right. I don't know if I'm going to do this on purpose, but I, I had bought one and then I realized it said lotion candle. And I was like, okay, well, this is here. So let's find mm. out. Wow, fascinating. I don't. Ha- I only have one other thing, and it's very idiosyncratic, and it's there's not much of a market for it. I mean, more idiosyncratic. Well, look, a lot of people like real Christmas trees. Yes. There's more people that like real Christmas trees than than record podcasts. I'm going to talk to you about this thing I'm talking into right now. I had to get oh. a new podcast mic this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my old, my old beloved road. Um, which I think you're still using. Are you still using a road, or did you move yes. on to a Shure 5700? Oh no, it's a Shure. I'm using yeah. a Shure now. Yeah. So I'm two. I'm another gen ahead of you now. I'm using the Audio Technica R2 2100X USB that microphone. Like it's from the future. It is from the future, and it's a USB C uh, microphone, which is more common. It doesn't need an amp or anything like that. It sounds good. It's about a hundred bucks. Um, so if you do any kind of audio recording, I've been super super thrilled with it um and i i think you know it's one of those deals where you the the audio standard has gone up but the tech prices has come down for people who do stuff like this also if any other kind of projects you know a lot of us are on zoom all the time you can get one of these on a boom mic if you wanted to do it and really have good audio if you're recording for other reasons or there's a lot of good projects you can do where you might want to have high quality audio this is very reasonable um, for a hundred dollars, it's uh, it's really it's really been great. Get yourself a little pop filter to put on there, and you've got yourself a microphone. This is one of my favorite. It's an old. It's a, it's much more reliable, um, and I think it's. I don't have to think about it anymore. I'm not worried about it. It just does what it does, and it really really sounds good. So that's the Audio Technica ATR 2100X USB C microphone. All right, you're All right. up. Okay, let's do music. I like it. 
Go for it. I only got one pick this year, which is sad for me. Yeah. I like this, but it's not been a great music year for me. I've only got two um, because I also spent most of, I spent a lot of this year not listening to anything. Like mm-hmm. I just couldn't take input at all. And then when music came back around, I was listening to mostly familiar things. But the my first and deepest love of the year is the Gaslighter album by The Chicks. Um, mm. We got teasers about it for like months and months it's been a million years they were formerly known as the dixie chicks if you have not been following that journey it's been a million years since we had an album from them and i don't know a song about like most of the album is about natalie mains's cheating ex-husband in some ways that are really satisfying but there is also something incredibly satisfying about screaming at the top of your lungs to a song called gaslighter while there is a master gaslighter occupying the white house like Mm. it, it was just cathartic um I also think the rest of the album is better than that title track, and it's worth diving into, especially if you are a longtime Chicks fan. But there's a great song um, called Texas Man that has this hook that I cannot stop singing about um, how everybody wants a new model, but I'm a little bit more traveled. (laughs) And Mm. it's like girl power, but for when you have reached the age where you actually understand what power is about. Um, and then some really good, just like revenge songs. There's a, um, a song about, you know, how she knows exactly what you did with that girl who left her tights on your boat. Uh, and, <laughs> and how she hopes that <laughs> you experience lots of suffering as a result. Uh, just a big emotional range and a really fun one to drive around singing to or to have on in the kitchen or really whatever. Um, my big thing I was looking forward to at the beginning of 2020 or one of the things I was looking forward to was Amanda and I were going to get tickets to go see the chicks somewhere fun, like live in concert. And that did not happen this year. But when they go on tour again, I'm going to be like in the front row in a ridiculous pair of cowboy boots. And mm. it's just a super fun album. So if you did not make your way to it this year. I recommend getting there. I've said, we're kind of going back. Run Home to Mama with music, it sounds like. That's kind of you running home to mama. One of my, mm-hmm. my pick this year, Run Home to Mama, that I've been listening to on repeat as I've been working from home. Spotify, I think Verve put it together, but it's a playlist oh. um, called Work From Home with Blossom Deary. Blossom Deary is one of the you know mid-century mm-hmm. jazz singer, a pop jazz singer, um, and a very... I don't know. It's like a cutesy. She has at the very the worst blossom deary is like this kind of cutesy voice, but when she's not doing that, she's a wonderful phraser. She's a lot of fun to listen to, and the arrangements on this playlist are very simple. I prefer my jazz standard arrangements to be very simple. I don't want strings. I don't want Nelson Riddle's Frank Sinatra string stuff. I want a rhythm section and a good singer. Um, and I don't love this whole playlist. I'm being very specific here. But the French lyrics one, I want the eight tracks of Work From Home with Blossom Deary that her speak singing in French that Mm. I can work along to because I don't know what they mean, so I'm not singing along. Sounds like it has kind of a pink martini vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one called Boom. There's one called Tout et Simon. There's one called Pouche de... uh, Oh, what's the last one? Ah, come on. I can't find it right now. Anyway, there's a a couple... Oh, Chez Moi. Um... Listen, you can listen to the whole thing, but then I created my own sub playlist of this playlist of just the songs I want to listen to. Oh, that's I'm really be- drilling down. I'm I really drilling down. That here. this is a, a best and highest use of the Spotify curated yes. playlist is when you then take it to curate your own. I've done the same thing with some of them, mm-hmm. and it's so that it's so satisfying. Yeah. Um, 
I had one more in the music entry this year, and it just came out earlier this month, earlier this month in December, maybe late November, um, by The Healing Tide. Their new album is called, mm. or sorry, War, The War and Treaty. Is War the and Treaty, yeah. The album is called Heartstown. Um, I think we talked about their Healing Tide album last year, maybe the year before on this on this show. They're a husband and wife duo, Michael Trotter Jr. and Tanya Blount. And man, it's like this very soulful sound that at moments you would believe that you're listening to something from the 60s and at moments Mm. sounds like it's completely fresh they're like flavors of john legend to michael trotter's voice but it's gravelier and there's so much texture to the album i don't have a great vocabulary of music i don't either i don't either Um, but i just i love it um i found myself just putting it on repeat when i've been cooking for the last couple of weeks it's wonderful to sing along to there's just a lot of depth and range happening there so if you're in that zone of soul r&b uh i don't know if leon bridges like is in your pantheon Mm -hmm. of faves i think the war and treaty should be in there also um their voice is just really really wonderful big big sound um and i hope i I hope like in the future i'll get to see them in like a small club somewhere Um, just great the other the other artist that i added to well blossom deer i've been listening to on and off did i do and um they say it's spring of two of my favorite standards or covers of both of those but this Mm -hmm. deeper catalog speaking of deeper catalogs always been a, a big motown fan and one artist I didn't know much about, they must not have played it on 94.9, Oldies 95, when I was growing up, because that's where I, you know, listened to the radio as a middle-class white kid in Kansas. I didn't have a lot of knowledge of, um, you know, deeper cut black music from the 60s. And the Velvolettes, tough name, the Velvolettes, <laughs> but one of the, you know, kind of like a C-list in terms of fame girl group, but a really good catalog, actually. You can go find them on Spotify, too. Um, their big hit was Needle in a Haystack, but I like the whole back catalog. There's not that many. And I probably listened, was probably listening to some other playlist. It's like, who is this? Discovered the whole thing. There's an EP, The Best of the Velvolettes. It's only six songs, but it just sounds great. And it sounds fresh. It's, look, I love Marvin Gaye. I love Stevie, but I've heard it a billion times. <laughs> and so this is something that's out there and it felt fresh, but still in that pocket that I really like. So you can go check that out on Spotify too. Yeah, the best of the Velvets are just search for the Velvets. I think they were supposed to be doing a Velvets, but they sort of like misspelled it. I don't know if this led to the non-popularity of it. Like the Supremes works. The right. Velvets is a tough, that's a tough that's, thing. That's a challenging one. Yeah, yeah but our, our, their loss is our gain that we get to rediscover them later. It's like a Moneyball situation. They threw funny, like they had a weird delivery and they had a weird name, so people forgot about them. Um, but I really enjoyed the Velvolettes this year too. And they're now in my steady rotation for, for all kinds of things. All right. I guess we do TV. I mean, TV is the big winner of 2020, right? I mean, for, for this kind of stuff, TV is the big winner. Yeah, uh, man, I watched so much TV this year. <laughs> this was the year I finally made it to some series that I had missed when they were live. So I think I'll start there. Mm. Um, I finally burned through all four existing seasons of Insecure, which is Issa Rae's show on mm-hmm. HBO. Um, and it's as fantastic and funny and smart as everyone 
said it would be. Um, the characters are also in their late 20s and early 30s, and I'm just enough older than them to have had some moments of like, God, I'm glad I'm not that young anymore. Oh, <laughs> um, and there's like you know, single and dating and challenges with working in jobs that they hate. But the friendships between these women are so fun to watch, and they go to really, I think, real and brave places, especially as the as they go on and get more comfortable, you know, in the roles and in the writing in the later seasons. Um, you see some professional challenges. You see some relationship stuff, and it's just really smart. It, it, mm. I really, really loved it. Um, it's on, all of them are on HBO Max if you've got that going right now, and I burned through them very quickly. I was really happy I finally got there. Hmm. Um, I you know I don't. My picks are going to... I watch the stuff that everyone else watched a lot. You know, I did my Queen's Gambit and stuff like that. I'm not going to talk about that. It's too, yeah. I'm going kid shows because if you're a parent out there, you are down... You're not scraping the bottom of the barrel. You scrape through the bottom of the barrel and now you're in like the mud below <laughs> the barrel is what you're trying to figure out. So let me give you a couple of ideas. Um, our family's big hit... No, these are my family's big hits that we watch together. Um, I'm going to give you three. Uh, one, it's called Summer Camp Island. It's a short series that's on HBO Max. I think it was originally on Cartoon Network. Um, it's an animated series. Oscar and Hedgehog are the two main characters, and they are animated animals that live... They're at summer camp, but it's magic summer camp. And the monsters are delightful. I can sing you the theme song, but I'm not going to <laughs> because I have some shred of dignity after that Christmas tree fiasco I just <laughs> subjected us all to... But they're super short. They're really fun. They're very, very big-hearted and delightful. Um, and it's really great. And we talk about them. My kids are re-watching them. We'll re-watch them together. Like if we, watch, if we watch something heavy or we've had a tough day, we'll put on a couple of Summer Camp Islands together and be whisked away to a land of whimsy and big-heartedness and delightful wordplay. So that's Summer Camp Island there. I'm also going to give you... Um, the other feel good one for us was the magic of Disney's animal kingdom on Disney plus a documentary series about zookeepers at Disney's animal kingdom and what they do to keep that place humming and how they train giraffes and tigers and taking care of people. And like what goes in to keeping a zoo, you learn a lot about birds, you learn a lot about everything there. And I know it's one giant infomercial for going to animal kingdom, but I'm at home all the time with my family and I'm 43 years old and I'm buying Rebecca. I don't know what to tell you. That sounds wonderful. It's um, really great. There's eight episodes narrated by Josh Gad. It's just it's just great. Yeah. Really great. You know, I think we have to mention for family shows and anybody, the Babysitter's Club, which right. was the delight of, I think it came out in the summer and is so wonderful. It has all of the heart of this, the book series, the sort of core things about mm -hmm. the characters, but is really well updated to be diverse and inclusive with characters from different racial backgrounds and different sexual identities. And it takes, like, it's set in the present day and it takes on issues of the present day. I really loved that. And most recently, this is pretty Shinsky wheelhousey, I think. I've been watching a series on AMC called Soulmates hmm. that the, um, the premise is it's set I think about 20 years in the future scientists have discovered what they call the soulmate gene and you can go get tested for it just like you can take a DNA test now and identify oh, you told me about this yeah. yes, yes yeah and yes. you can identify like your family members so you you take the soulmate test and you get notified if your soulmate 
has also taken it and you're a match and the episodes it's completely each episode is completely standalone and each one explores some question inside like what would what would a world Mm. where this was the thing Mm. be like so like the first episode is about a married couple and one of them takes the test. And, you know, what would that be like? What would it be like if you were already like blissfully happy, but then you found out what ways would people use this kind of technology to commit crimes against other people? You know, it's it's really interesting. Very little of it is about like being in love or finding your soulmate like it's really a darker sort of human naturey thing about like what would we do in our society if we had the option to do this thing hmm. and it might sound wonderful like you're gonna meet your soulmate and they're, they're perfect for you like it's genetically proven but that's a lot more complicated like living with another human in any capacity is a lot more complicated than it sounds and people having this kind of knowledge could unlock all kinds of things and and Mm -hmm. i really it's been it's super well cast the episodes are a little uneven like there's they kind of ring bells in a bunch of different genres and i think some of them are stronger than others but overall i've been glad to watch it and it was the kind of like future casting that it was the only kind of future casting that i found to be enjoyable in 2020 Mm. because it was completely disconnected from our current politics or what's happening with covid or current science it was just like what if this thing happened and what would we end up doing with it in all these unexpected ways and it feels like you know maybe if 25 years ago someone had imagined Facebook and then imagined all the things that could happen with it that would be interesting or bad or just complex in some way what you would have gotten I really have liked it Um, and my boyfriend um, who played Roger Sterling on Mad Men is in Uh, one of the episodes too so that's good good to hear Uh, let's do another sponsor break and maybe a little more TV and then movies and so on today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be. Right? Right, girl. Like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series. Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. 
The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. A um, couple more kids things. Um, I think we must have watched it this year. I'm pretty sure we did. Another Disney Plus series. This one was about... The Making of Frozen 2, which Frozen 2, it's a huge thing, pretty good movie. My kids enjoyed it, family enjoyed it. But what we enjoyed more was this, I think, six-part documentary that they shot while they were making Frozen 2. Mm-hmm. And for someone like I do who has a daughter or any any kind of kid, but like who is interested in princesses but also is interested in making stuff, it was perfect because she got to see the animation and the sculpting oh, and the cool. storyboarding and the the people in it. And they did a really good job of like picking out both the director and the higher level people, but then also giving some some shine to the people who like work six months on this four seconds of animation and whether or not Elsa's foot should go this way or that way or whether or not her hand should be up or down when the ice comes shooting out of it. And then talk, and talking with the people writing the music and doing the set design and really getting appreciation for the stuff that we consume. We just sort of consume this stuff this year of all years. But like how many people it takes, what it takes, what the technology is, what's hard, what's exciting, what's interesting. And frankly, what's possible to do with your life. I think one thing we've talked about in various times mm-hmm. as when we were kids that I think the world is more interesting about now is you just didn't know the the possibilities of existences out there. You don't have to be a doctor, like I thought, because that's what my dad was, or going to the military, or, well, I have professors, why don't I be a professor now, or something like that. It's like, you can see all these other places and see, like, you may not be the best animator in the world, but maybe you can be the person who's in charge of keeping the script in order at Disney. Like, that's yeah. a whole job. Like, that's a thing. And it was really cool, and Jennifer Lee, who's the um, one of the directors and the, the principal writer, really big-hearted and open-hearted, and it's emotional, they're honest, they, t- they talk about the struggles of what, what went into it and what they didn't like. Um, we, we'd, I'd watch this series about any movie. I like making up stuff. I know this is shock. I like everything, but making up stuff like this was really great. And something that held all of our attention, um, I think really opened our, our minds, um, to what goes into the thing. Like you, this has been a big thing to think about, like with food, right? Where does it mm-hmm. come from? Locals. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we could apply to every part of our consumptive life. Like who is it that's making the movie? How does it work? What's possible? What's weird? What's interesting? Um, the cardboard boxes that Amazon sends, like all, all the things that go into it. But it was a real sense of in this time when our world was really shrinking down into like a hard, like nuclear family, it was nice to sort of crack this one open, right? This this mm-hmm. sort of cultural experience open and to see what was inside. Um, there's another series that's out now, which we haven't started. It's called Inside Pixar, which is a similar kind of idea, except you know they're really focusing on individuals within Pixar and what they do and how those things are made together. Again, I know, I know, I know they're just big ads for the thing, but listen, sometimes that you got to do what you got to do, and they Two did it so be beautifully, true. so beautifully. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> 
I think I talked about this next one on last year's Best of the Rest show, so I just want to shout out the second season of Pen15, which is a Hulu original series um, by Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle, who are women in their 30s playing their seventh grade selves. And it's as awkward as being in seventh grade is. Um, It's hard to watch at times. It's cringy and so smart, so funny, and there's so much heart to it. And just, I think so. it's such a creative idea, the way that they execute it. Like also they're in seventh grade in the early 90s and they have amazing early 90s fashion that's Mm. happening, but all the other actors are actual teenage kids and watching them interact on screen is really fascinating and in the second season they take on some sort of darker themes and their friendship struggles um, and they're wrestling with like their own identities and with what it means to be sort of tied into this best friendship with each other i i definitely watched it like holding my breath and just one of those moments where you want to pat everyone who's ever been in seventh grade on the head and be like, it really is going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. if you just knew when you were there that it, you're not going to feel this way forever. Um, it's, it's so good. Um, and for more on the whimsy tip, uh, I finally got to the politician, which is a Netflix original starring Ben Platt who plays an, a, a super spoiled kid from a Santa Barbara high school. And he has known for his whole life that he wants to be the president or actually he has known that he's going to be the president. But in the first season, he's navigating running for student body president at his elite high school. And it's very cutthroat and over the top in a whimsical, like Wes Anderson adjacent kind of way um, that I, it's also just really fun to look at I really enjoyed that and the second season bounces up into several years in the future when he's living in New York and he's running for local office Bette Midler shows up like the casting is brilliant everyone plays the over the topness exactly Mm. the way that I wanted them to like it's ridiculous but it's ridiculous very intentionally and it was really really fun any more TV before I go to movies? I think that's most of it. I didn't have any movie faves. I've got. This t- year. I've only got two. Um, okay. Do we want to do? T- what about Ted? We didn't talk about <gasps> Ted. We do have to talk about Ted Lasso. I mean, I think this is you know. This is now, now a Ted Lasso fan cast. Well, yeah, it's like it's in a, Ted Lasso's is like his third way, uh, third wave of like virality. I feel like at this point, um, I caught it maybe on the second wave uh, over the early fall. Um, Starring Jason Sudeikis, who plays weirdly a Kansas uh, <laughs> football coach, and there are there is some little Easter eggs for those of us from the Kansas City mm-hmm. area. Weirdly, yeah. notably the the fabricated barbecue <laughs> attire, yes. which is just wonderful it's and must so only great. be for them to joke with each other because it's like you and me and like six other people get that they're playing on Gates versus Casey masterpieces I versus Jack meaning- Stack Smokehouse. I keep meaning to look and see if I can get a Ted Lasso barbecue I, I've t-shirt. looked. I haven't found it yet. Um, but this is like, isn't this what Fiverr is for? Can someone whip That's up true. one of these for me? I'd pay <laughs> premium dollars for Surely one of those. Surely there's Ted Lasso fan stuff on Etsy, right? For one of those Fobicue, um Kansas City Fobicue. hats. <laughs> it's so I, good. It's so, so I don't, we don't need to spend too much time on Ted Lasso. If you haven't watched it already... I'm not sure what the pitch is for it. It's not what I thought it was. I was super resistant. I'm not a huge Jason Sudeikis fan. There's a lot against the the internet and the world is littered with the corpses of a bad Saturday Night Live star vehicle Mm -hmm. things. It looks like a bad Andy Samberg character. There's good ones and there's bad ones, right? Like this is not MacGruber. Like this is a sneaky, big hearted, tender, moving, funny, 
struck me in a way I wasn't ready to be struck, yeah. in a way that I didn't know I was ready to be struck, that is really about forgiveness, empathy, um, and I don't know. A, a, I heard it described as like, it's a superhero movie, but Ted's superpowers are kindness and empathy. Mm. Um, and it's not just because he's a dude. It's like there's a version of this is like, well, it's an antidote to toxic man- masculinity, which it is. I think it goes beyond that. I think it goes beyond yeah. any kind of like, this is how men should behave. He is a superhero. Um, no one, no human I know could act like Ted Lasso. But I'm ready to see someone whose superpower is not punching. The superpower is selflessness. The superpower is listening. The superpower is self-abnegation. The superpower is seeing other people for who they are and who they could be and doing what you can to get them there mm-hmm. um, and not taking insults and not being offended and not being hurt and really seeing the source of what other people are doing, not the thing they're doing themselves. And I, t- I text Rebecca about this most moving thing, thing I've seen in anything. And I don't know if it was me. I don't know if it's the moment. I don't know if other people feel this way, but it happens towards the end. And I don't want to spoil it because yeah. it's there, but it, it led to me and Rebecca talking off air about how, you know, I people want connection, they want fame, they want recognition, but I think the thing people want more than anything is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And there's a beautiful gesture of forgiveness all along this show, frankly. Yeah. It, it's a lot of ways a, short, a story about divorce and forgiveness, about breaking and healing. Um, and we, Michelle and I have rewatched it. I think about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And boy, I was great to see it. And, and you know, is it the best show that's ever happened? I don't know. But... I do grade differently for shows that don't use guns. They don't use a bunch of cursing. They don't, you know, the good places of the world are trying to do something different and they're graded on it. I think they get a, mm-hmm. they're grading on a curve because they're not going for and not using the things that are instantly recognizable as high stakes. I guess what I'm trying to say. The yeah. stakes are different and more every day and i really appreciate that about those kinds of shows i agree i think we've talked on here about how like memoirs about happy people are not Mm -hmm. very interesting and i think it's just harder to make compelling tv that's fundamentally about the question of like how to be a good person yeah and i feel like ted lasso is actually the good place (laughs) very good point yes (laughs) um that it's if you're skeptical and if you only watch the first couple episodes, I, I think you really do have to stick with it. Like it's it's it sounds like a person doing so many bits like he it is. It's Jason Sudeikis playing a football coach from Kansas who goes to coach a British football team, mm-hmm. which is soccer and it's pulled from an espn commercial like they somehow carried an espn bit all the way into being an actual series and they did it well but if someone's just pitching you this at, at a party, it sounds like, it sounds it janky sounds like, like how yeah, can this be a it thing it sounds like right there's no way that it could be good and it is so good i think sneaky is the perfect word for yeah. it that it starts off it takes a little while to open up all the conversations that it's going to have with viewers because you have to get 
you have to be like stealthed into watching something like mm. this. I think if they just started in the first episode with really all of the feelings that are there, it would be a little confronting. And the way that it unfolds is just masterful. Um, I heard Brene Brown talking about it. I remember. Oh no like, way! Oh, that's yeah. Fair. I'd love to hear. Yeah, that. yeah. There's a, she talks about it on several episodes, and then there is an episode where Brene Brown has Jason Sudeikis yes. and his co-writer wow. on, and they talk about the heart of this show and where it came from, and that was really lovely. If you're not listening to the Brene Renee Brown um, Unlocking Us podcast. Like, what are you even doing here? Mm. Um, But that was really wonderful. Yeah, Ted Lasso. It's, man, it's so good. I'm going to rewatch it over the holidays. It's entered two two bits of Ted Lasso verbal DNA have now recombined with Michelle (laughs) and I's um, lingua franca. To, mm-hmm. to mix many metaphors there in a row. One of them is Jamie talked, Jamie talked, just every now and again, we'll just start doing that. And the other one is the Diamond Dogs. Yep. <laughs> so if you've seen the show, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, go you forth better. and fix that. Uh, my favorite movie of the year. I watched you know, a few movies this year. Um, not as many as I often do. I'm not sure what I was doing at night. I think I was sitting around reading. Um, the Vast of Night which is mm-hmm. a small... Have you heard of this? Did you watch this? Did I talk to you about this already? I don't I know if I've done my bit before this. I it maybe, but I haven't heard the bit, no. <laughs> a small budget science fiction movie um, set in the 1950s in New Mexico. And I'm not sure what to say about it that will make people interested in watching it. Um, I think it's kind of the movie sharp, one of the movie sharps pick for best movies of the year. So if you follow movies, you probably already heard of this, but if you haven't, you probably haven't. Um, It is wildly, amazingly inventive for something that's so small and big at the same time. So it's set kind of opens up on a high school basketball night um, in this small town in in New Mexico that I think we're supposed to think is next to Roswell. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And the two main characters, one of them is like, sounds like it just graduated from high school, like local low wattage DJ. And the other one is like an AV nerd. She's like doing the sound at the basketball game, assisting the sound, not even doing the sound herself. And they're sort of friendly, flirtatious, but not really together kind of. It's a nice dynamic too there. And the verbal style is very unusual. Like it's very fast-paced, jargon-laden, hard to understand, but inventive and fun dialogue back and forth. A lot of cool camera stuff, one takes that follow you around. There's very little CG only at the end, and you'll see why if you ever watch it. But there's this one shot that I could not figure out how they do it that I knew there wasn't much um, computer graphics because I knew the budget was like $750,000, which is like the cost of one giant, you know, computer to do stuff that goes through this town all in one shot. And I was like, what is that a drone? Is that a camera? What is it? But just to give you some sense of the, the filmmaking inventiveness, what they did is that apparently they hired some kid with a go-kart to put a camera on the back of his go-kart and drive it. So you get this very low, weird, moving way, and it goes across grass and across things. Just a wonderful, beautiful shot. The other thing I should say about this is if you're going to watch it, do not watch it in daytime because (laughs) it's not scary so much as it's so dark. Like Mm. you want to see the contrast. You want to see all the things. You don't want the reflections and the other things going on. Watch it at night. Um, I thought it was great. I think this filmmaker, and you're going to see both of these leads and other things, just the just the amount of fun and in, the sound design is really good because a lot of it is built around what they're hearing and on the radio and they they ask the public to listen to the sound they're playing over do they know anything about it it's just a really good 
almost like a close, like almost like an Agatha Christie mystery because it's so contained, huh. um, but also really opens up in really fascinating ways. It's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it for free if you've got that. I, I really would recommend it. I, I thought it was really, really, uh, you know, kind of like with the Frozen 2 thing of like getting to see and understand, thinking about it from the invention point of view was part of the fun. Of like, how did they do that with so little? Uh, it was really, really great. Very economical storytelling um, and very light on the sci-fi until the end, which, you know, there you go. That's The Vast of Night. Go watch it now. I uh, really liked it. Also, the, the other movie thing we, my family enjoyed together, also on sort of a space sci-fi thing, is a movie that was on uh, an animated original on Netflix, which, I, again, I'm not really in like parent circles, so maybe the parents on, on the internet are all talking about it. But Over the Moon, which is this, it's set in... Um, uh, China somewhere. It's not clear exactly where. Sort of like a generic Chinese little village. This family makes this this specialty food item, and then, as happens in animated movies, because I don't know why, because of stakes or whatever, one of the parents dies. But this young girl basically decides, like, she convinces herself if she can get to the moon, she'll find her mom. That's where her mom went. And so she's this young girl who gets into rocketry, and there's a lot of great music, and it it's like. There's, it maybe doesn't make sense, but we had a great time. The music is really fun. Uh, a really great cameo by Ken Jong singing as a glowing celestial hedgehog, I think is what it was. Um, <laughs> you know what? Sometimes, to quote the big shell, you got to let art flow over you. We let it flow over us, and we really enjoyed Over the Moon. It's now added to our kids' playlist. Uh which is fun for the first two thousand times, as as parents out there knows. But it's part of our it's part of our thing now. Over the moon, go find on Netflix mm. available now. All right, are we? Is, what's next? Food. What do you got left on your oh. categories? I got a couple video games. I got one food thing, and I'm I, okay. I'm kind of done after that. I've got some podcasts. Oh, podcasts. Okay, and good. a cookbook. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go for and it. And I didn't have any weird. I didn't or like new fun food things this year, That's other fine. than the hyper local like fried chicken sandwich at the place around the corner <laughs> do it um okay so podcasts i listened to shockingly a lot of political podcasts this year um and a lot of like political adjacent podcasts so mm. i'm going to quickly shout out michelle obama's podcast which ran its first season this fall and was wonderful um she opened up with an episode with you know, good old Barack. Um, her brother was on one. She had her girlfriends on one. And each episode was about a different kind of relationship in our lives and where those sit. So there's mm. also like relationship to community and relationship to self and relationship to family. And it was fun and thoughtful and like exactly what I wanted from a Michelle Obama podcast. Um, Hillary Clinton rolled out later in the fall with a show called You and Me Both, which you can take to mean all sorts of things. Uh, and she talks to interesting people about things they're mutually interested in, which is such a great setup for a person mm. who is just curious about the world. Um, some of them were political. I mean, all of them have some touch of politics because that's what her life is. Right. Um, but there's you know, Stacey Abrams was on a, an episode talking about voter registration, but there were also comedians on different episodes. Most recently, she had an episode about reading with Louise Penny. I saw uh, that as she's going like across the thing. Good friends with Louise Penny and the story of how that happened is on the show. And it's amazing. But that episode also had Marley Dias, who we have talked about for years yeah. and been mispronouncing her name, apparently. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was really fun to listen to. Um, I've just enjoyed that. And I think right after the election, Amanda put me on to a podcast called Left, Right and Center. 
Uh, that is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, each It's from a public radio station, I think in Washington, D.C. Um, each episode has a center who moderates a conversation between someone on the left and someone on the right. And they're talking about whatever the political questions of that week's moment are. Hmm. Um, and it was, it's been very refreshing to hear people being reasonable on both ends of the spectrum. And I, I do mean that as a, a critique <laughs> about people on both ends of the spectrum yeah. as well. Um, just sort of a nice reset from how feverish um, and ugly in some places the rhetoric became during the election. So I loved those from the politics tip. And then recently, I've been super into 60 songs that explain the 90s, which is a Spotify original podcast from The Ringer, hosted by Rob Harvilla. It's exactly what it sounds like. Each episode is about a song from the 90s. But it's a fascinating mix of sort of like history of what was happening in that moment, and then music theory about what makes the song appealing and some episodes have so like dishy gossip about the band some get really into like why does this song work um why do we find it interesting like there was an episode about all i want for christmas is you by mariah carey and when they get into the music theory stuff they're talking about like well these certain chords that appear you can actually find these chords all over like jazz music and or all over sort of doo-wop and they just create a certain feeling Hmm. in people um there's i'm in the middle of the new episode which is about i want it that way by the backstreet boys about like the math of writing the melodies for these songs and how as long as they land in certain places with certain numbers of syllables it doesn't really matter what the words are you're just gonna feel yeah you're just gonna feel good listening to it but like the math of the backstreet boys is exactly how i want to think about the backstreet boys um and it's a great mix i think it's really eclectic um so there are big big songs you know you get hey jealousy by the gin blossoms and you ought to know by alanis morissette but then some deeper cuts like the smashing pumpkins pick they did is mayonnaise which isn't even from the biggest smashing pumpkins album right um so so far there have been i guess about 10 episodes so there's 50 more songs that explain the 90s to go but i have enjoyed every one of them and maybe by this time next year i will have a deeper vocabulary for talking about music I've done zero new podcasts this year. I've stayed where I am. Again, the way podcasts and, and way fewer audiobooks mm. went into my life was commuting back and forth, working around the house without the family here. I'm just not going to put my headphones on that often or put stuff, the podcasts on that I generally listen to when my kids are around. Oh, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to getting into some more and sometime in, in 2021. I'll do video games, redid podcasts, okay. but first we'll do our last sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Team. In a world where the children of the gods inherit their powers, a descendant of the Greek fates must solve a series of impossible murders to save her sisters, her soulmate, and her city. Descendants of the fates are always born in threes. There's one to weave, one to draw, and one to cut the threads that connect people to the things they love and to life itself. And the Aura sisters are no exceptions. There is Eo, the youngest, who uses her fate-born abilities as a private investigator, but her latest job leads her to a horrific discovery. Somebody is abducting women and setting the results 
hunting wraiths loose in the city to kill. Now, the second book in the series, Hearts That Cut, will be on sale June 18th, 2024. This is a must read for all Greek mythology and fantasy fans. This is dripping with atmosphere, edged with danger. Threads that bind weaves together a gorgeous dark tapestry of mystery, faded romance, and modern myth. You won't be able to put this one down. And that comes from Alexandra Bracken, New York Times bestselling author of Lore. So make sure to pick up Threads That Bind by Kitsa Hatsapolu. And thanks again to Penguin Teen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. I don't want to exaggerate how important this next video game has been to the health of our family, um, only because <laughs> it it's The Legend of Zelda Breath in the Wild, which is like recommending The Beatles for those of you who know about video games, like I get that, but my son, Ames, who's nine, got it for his birthday. His birthday was March 25th, um, and it was a tough time all around for everyone, but if you're nine... Birthdays are a big deal. Going to school is a big deal. Being with friends is a big deal. And Breath of the Wild, again, it's not a substitute for all the other things you can do, but it's a remarkable feat of art um, that video games... Speaking, I mean, I think of myself as a person who understands art, understands narrative, at least that that's not music. And I'm still wrapping my heads around how to appreciate video games as art, as someone who played video games from a very young age. But the kinds of attention to detail the kinds of creativity around how you can interact with the world and how you can build a game that has like, you know, you fight the dragons, you beat the thing and you collect the swords and whatever, but then also just the experience of exploration for exploration's sake, to seeing what's around the bend, to see what's on top of the mountain, to see what's in the snow. Um, he's been playing it pretty consistently for nine months now. Oh. And at the end of the day, when he, they get their screen choice time, he doesn't always pick it, but he still does. And there's still stuff to discover. And the depth of it, I, I, I'm i not kidding. I may never have spent a better 60 bucks in my entire life on an hour. If you could do sort of the math of hour per pleasure per hour mm -hmm. over time per dollar, there there's nothing like it. We sit down together sometimes. We sit down as a family sometimes. There's puzzles. There's beauty. There's excitement. And in a real sense of wonder about what's possible that couldn't have asked for anything else. And what, what else, what, what could I possibly want else out of a yeah. video game? What else could I want out of anything at all on the other end of the spectrum for video games, not the other end of the spectrum, but like from wonder and beauty and grandeur and slow play and whatever, I'm going all the way to overcooked two, 
which is a video game you can play with other people. You have to. Um, my family's played together. I played it with my my brother. We played with my family. You can play online. It's basically your three or four little characters in the kitchen trying to make stuff. <laughs> and you've got to work together to make sushi or burritos or pizza or whatever. It's insane. It's wild. You'll end up yelling at each other. When you do it well, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's it's like 20 bucks you can buy. It's a lot of fun to play with other people who don't like video games necessarily because you're playing together. That togetherness that sounds... is really great. You've got an, it's on, I think, all platforms. You can get it for all platforms at this point. But Overcooked 2 that sounds is super the one. Fun. It is a lot of fun. Our, our, my friend Jeremy Hook turned me on to it, and he and his wife Blair bought a Nintendo Switch on my recommendation just so I said, Jeremy, you're going to be at home go get a Nintendo just to play this game. And they did, and they beat the whole thing together. And it was like their early quarantine was mostly overcooked too uh, <laughs> there. So, you know, you get through video games have been had a real moment, of course. And I think a lot of people like me who hadn't come back to in a while were shocked to see the variety of experiences you can have now. Um, the gameplay fragmentation and diversification is mind-boggling. As someone who was like into N64, into college, and it was sort of out on video games until this year. And wow, it's like it's like a, it's like um, Back to the Future kind of a thing. Like getting in the DeLorean, like, oh, I thought I knew Springdale, but I did not know Springdale at all. Um, so those are my two picks. Oh, last one, Cardo. This one's a little bit different. It's also a very small game you can play. It's great for a family. It's like a combination storybook slash puzzle game where you can move the map tiles and the the young girl is a protagonist who's figuring stuff out, has a special power where she can like change the map you're on is her power. Hmm. It's a lot of fun. Short four to five hour gameplay, but be good for over the break uh, of different kinds. So those are my video game picks uh, right there. Um, wrap up. Yeah, Last couple so here. I know you said you have one book. Um, mine's a cookbook. Um, yeah, I'm not doing a book. I'm leaving it off. Okay. You do your book cookbook I'm and do I'll do my, my food thing. I have acquired a not small number of baking books mm-hmm. in 2020, and the best one by a country mile is The Book on Pie by Erin Jean McDowell. Um, if you watch New York Times cooking videos, you've probably seen her. She's wonderful and whimsical and silly and like clearly just really delights in making the food that she's making. She's also originally from Kansas City. I heard uh, that about her. Like, I think yeah. I know people who know her. Oh, I I hope that's true. Yeah. I hope I'm like three degrees from Mary yeah, Jean McDowell. Right. Um, and what makes it such a great cookbook, um, what and I think a great pie book, is that most of the most cookbooks that you get have like, you know, here are you got a chapter on berry pies and there's five or six recipes, and then a chapter on custard pies and there's five or six of those, and she's got like. 40 of each thing there's like 25 different kinds of crusts Mm. and the whole and a whole section on different toppings and different decor techniques and all the basics that you need for understanding like how to make a pie dough if things go wrong how to troubleshoot different things but the way the book is put together is really like a choose your own pie venture situation Mm -hmm. where it'll be like you know 
white chocolate peppermint pie, but she will have five suggested crusts that you could choose from or any of the other bajillion crusts in the book. But it's like, you know, this filling is especially great with Hmm. these crusts. Um, But like in my case, I don't like white chocolate, so I can just find her regular, like just replace the white chocolate with dark chocolate in this thing and pick a different one of the crusts and then put this other topping onto it. Um, Our good friend and coworker, Jen Northington, was passing through Richmond this week. And she had requested peanut butter, chocolate, something, something as her pie. So I went through and picked um, a press-in cookie dough crust that I made with peanut butter cookie crumbs uh, as the bottom and then did a dark chocolate filling and some fresh whipped cream on top. And all of it is just super easy. Like she gives you, it feels very much like um, she's giving you the words of the language and you get to write the sentence Mm. um which i think it would be great as a beginner's pie book because it does explain like sort of the foundational things you need to understand about like what makes a crust good and how to think about modifying things um pie crust is like one of those things that cooks and bakers are sort of notoriously scared of because it can be finicky but she explains like she explains it in a way that's like if you can pay attention to these things you're going to be just fine you'll understand Mm -hmm. what's happening with your dough Um, and everything else is so fun like I just loved the approach of um, pick one of these crusts because I think it's fun or pick one of the floppity jillion other ones in the book and it's um, just so much variety and the bang for your cookbook buck which cookbooks are expensive and so like the bang the bang for this is like i could you know i could make a pie a week for several years and never repeat myself with all of the different combinations that are possible in this book um and it's just been super fun so that's my recommendation there as as like everyone did we did more cooking than we normally would in variety of things as um we do i made a bunch of stuff you know fine there's only one thing I thought worth mentioning. It's only because this. My brother, who's a professionally trained chef, was over and I made it for Halloween mm-hmm. just because it was something to make. And he's like, I never thought of making this before. And it was a lot of fun. It's just soft-baked pretzels. I'll put a, the recipe Ooh. I used in the show notes. But for those of us who grew up with like soft-baked pretzels at movie theaters or ballparks or whatever, have a special place in our heart. And these were super easy. They were fun to do with the kids. They turned out great the several times we've made them. Michelle requested them again, which is very unusual for her in this kind of a situation. So take that for what you will. Um, but they were great. Um, I'll even add my little – I made some modifications because I didn't – I thought they used too much baking soda because it was very strong. Anyway, they were great. If you never made soft-baked pretzels at home, they're really good. And you can dip them in cheese. You can do whatever you're going to do with them, mustard, salt. You know, you know what to do with soft-baked pretzels. But uh, that was a big surprise. I've done, you know, pies and breads and everything else mm-hmm. before. But kind of, I was like, I don't even remember what it was. I think I got a wild hair. And I was like, I bet. Never made pretzels. Looked it up. I was like, that doesn't look too hard. Turned out okay. Um, nice. So give soft baked pretzels a try too. Other food related shout out is the service Gold Belly, where you can basically order the thing from the th- place that makes your favorite thing wherever, and they'll Ooh. send it to you. It's kind of like doing the thing you used to have to do of call up the like bakery or the barbecue joint to get the ribs. They've done that writ large and sort of packaged all a bunch of them up. Um, our, our, our great friend Rita, uh, mm. not the Rita you know, a different Rita in New York, knows that my family's single favorite food item in the world collectively is chocolate babka from bread in New York City. She sent us a three-pack 
of chocolate babka from bread through gold oh, belly. That's a and good friend. I thought, you know, the tears will come at any moment. And I started thinking about it again because it was a very difficult moment in all of this. And she knew it. And she was having a hard time, too. And it was nice to have a moment of bonding over a gold belly and what's possible and what food means to people and memories and distance and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Let me tell you this. It is not expensive, or not inexpensive, Gold Belly. I don't know if you've looked at it all. You can get pizza from Defara. You can get the thing from the place, right? That's what. That, I don't know if that's their tagline, but they can have that for me. You get the thing from the place. <laughs> but sometimes you'll overpay for the thing from the place. Sometimes that's the treat you need, not because it's the best, not because it's better than something you can get there, because it's the thing that you want and that you remember and that you cannot get because of time and distance and the vagaries of human existence. And Gold Billy is there, and you can go find what you're looking for. Oh, so if you miss something from home or something from we had on vacation, go check it out and see that. I should be, this is like Rebecca's REI affiliate corner over here, I feel like for Gold Belly. Um, but, uh, oh, man. I think that was, my, that, was, that was the biggest special treat of the year for us That's was wonderful. when Rita sent us a Gold Belly or a chocolate babka via um, yeah. Gold Belly. Well, I should shout out, I don't know if I mentioned it on last year's show or not. If you are into cooking or you've gotten into cooking this year and you're having those moments of like, I bet I could make this thing at home. You will definitely find a recipe for it on the New York Times cooking Yeah, section. boy, they're and, good, right? Wow. Yeah. And a subscription is $40 for the year, which is cheaper than my pie cookbook. Mm-hmm. And talk about amortized value per yeah, use. No <laughs> doubt. Like, no I've cooked doubt. so much through the New York Times cooking, not to mention that they do newsletters that are like, what to make for dinner this week. And I love to cook. And even I found a place this year of like, oh, my God, I have to like decide. More food again meal. today. <laughs> right? Do we actually have to eat three meals a day? It's like, How, did they, did we up the meal count this year? Did we used to have two? I felt like we used to <laughs> was, do two. Yeah. And there, it's just been very helpful for multiple reasons to have that. But two yeah. weeks ago, I made chocolate babka from the New mm, York you Times You told cooking me this. That's on my recipe. list for when I'm off starting tomorrow. It, it's probably not as amazing as the New York Times bakery or as the New York bakery that you got from Goldbelly. Wait, are but... you suggesting me making it for the first time as <laughs> an suggesting... amateur is not going to be as good as people who do it professionally and do hundreds of thousands of them a week? I'm suggesting that me making it for the first time as an amateur, but it was really, really good. And I felt kind of magical doing it. Yeah. Um, it has a lot of steps, but none of them are hard. You just have to like slow down and pay attention. But at any rate, I do think the New York Times cooking subscription is $40 well spent. It is, it is yeah. well spent. I'll agree with that. Um, I'll agree with that. I, the time, My time subscription... Of the subscriptions I'll keep, I think it's up there with now Netflix and Spotify, the New York mm. Times subscription. It just in all in all the news that you get, they still have original reporting you don't see anywhere else. And and by God, I tell you, their books reporting is the best in the business. It really it's is. True. It's it's it, it rains there. They're still the gold standard. And I don't even read the reviews. I don't read reviews, but they do stuff around books that no one else does. Um, you know, so if it's thinking about supporting the things that you care about, you know, in journalism, journalism and the New York times, like many big companies has lots of problems, but I think I feel as good about my New York times subscription as any money I give to a publicly traded company. I don't know what else to say other than that. I mean, I mean, what else are you going to say? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Last ones, things, things you're wanting to do in 2020. I mean, that's like ridiculous, right? Like anything coming up you're looking forward to in pre this, this time where we're really holding our breath. Um, for those of us who are trying to do this right before we can exhale 
you know, summertime, I hope. Do you have anything on your punch list for early 2021, Rebecca? I don't have anything like new on my punch list necessarily. Um, I'm taking myself to a little cottage on the beach for a few days. It's your birthday. Happy birthday to you coming up. Don't be, don't be weird. Don't be weird internet, but. Or actually, by the time you're here, it'll be, be over. You won't even know what her birthday yeah. was. Yeah. Um, December 32nd. Happy birthday to Rebecca. <laughs> February 95th. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a, a few little road trips by myself, oh. um, which are things that I did more of in 2020 than ever before. That leaving to find solitude was a new thing. Um, and I'm really like, I think I have a feral glow in my eye right now of like, get vaccinated and then buy a bunch of tickets to a bunch of places and things <laughs> and i recognize that in reality that's not how it's going to play out mm-hmm. but that's how it feels in my soul yeah. <laughs> right now it's like let her out just let her out I know. Um, I know. I'm, yeah I know. we'll see i mean we're, we're gonna let 2021 unfold um hopefully i'm gonna go to switzerland at some point on a trip i was supposed to go on last may um and maybe i will wear the enormous rei fanny pack that converts into a backpack that is the most ridiculous thing i bought look i've told you it's not a fanny pack it's an adventure pouch come on let's get this right i think that you were the recipient of the lone photographic evidence of the existence of this thing (laughs) it's a shame shatzel Shame satchel on a bad day. Adventure pouch on a good one. Yeah, I haven't used it enough to recommend it on this episode, but I did, I guess, need to publicly confess that that's a thing that I own. That's all right. It's okay. <laughs> you, Lenny, uh, last ones. You know, I, I it, it's funny how your daydreams shrink when the world shrinks. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking about, I go for an evening walk every now and again after the kids go down and Michelle's kind of taking some time for herself. And the Baghdad Theater here is, you know, a five-minute walk away, which is a, you know, an old movie theater that's being rehabbed, and you can order beers and have hamburgers and sit and look at this one great, it's a one giant screen theater. And I think whenever, whenever it is that my family gets to go together there, I don't, maybe we'll be wearing masks still. I don't know. That'll be, that's a thing that is the... The big trips, that's that's great, but God, I tell you, it's yeah, the everyday no, stuff true. that I'm, I'm really missing, and it's going to be going to the movies to see whatever replacement value Marvel movie or Disney animated thing, where we're sitting eating Cajun tater tots and drinking Diet Cokes and looking at a screen. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. That's it's, that's the thin end. Of, that's, that's the representation so of everything I'm missing. I feel like. Yeah, I think the real one that like. I'm emotional about it because it is about to be my birthday as we're yeah. recording this. There's my favorite place in town. It's called the Roosevelt. Um, I've had my birthday dinner sitting at the bar, yeah. which is the platonic ideal way to have a meal mm-hmm. <laughs> sitting at the bar for the last like eight years. And I'm not going to go sit at the bar to have my birthday yeah. dinner at the Roosevelt this year. So I'm holding on to that will be I'll be there as soon as I can go back mm-hmm. out in public. But I'm looking forward to my 2021 birthday hopefully being there i hope the roosevelt lasts like they've been okay um so far hanging on as much as anybody can hang on i think but that will be like i'm pretty sure that i will burst into tears when that happens 
and I can't even talk about it. Like I have to talk about the, like, I'm going to go on big trips because these, those little things that you're like listening to you talk about the Baghdad. I was like, Oh, that's the thing. Like, I just can't even, I can only look at it like out of the corner of my eye because it's such a soft place. Yeah. It really, every time I walk back and I'm like, there's a, there's like a thing of, it's like weirdly nostalgia for something that's going to, I mean, we're going to get back there. I hope if we, if Mm -hmm. we do everything right and things go as we plan. And like, of course, seeing my parents and my brother, like that stuff is obvious. Like it's almost too obvious. It's like the, the stuff I can walk to, the stuff that's every day, that when you can do that again, everything else will open up. And um, I know it's been a, it's been a hard for, for for all of us. And I hope if you're listening to this and you've had a hard year, I know you have. I hope it gets better for you. I hope you've you've had some things in your own life that have brought you a modicum of solace and joy and forgetting and escape and sustenance. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for making us yeah. a part of your daily or, or weekly routines. We really do appreciate it. We've gotten so many nice emails from people saying that the regularity and the normalcy and the this kind of a place where we talk together about weird stuff like Christmas trees <laughs> and books about the history of X and, and things. There's one about dams coming out that I'm very Ooh. interested to talk to you about in the future. <laughs> I can't um, wait. Happy New Year to you all. Happy New Year, yeah, Rebecca. I, you too. I just want to echo that. That I was thinking this morning and prep for this is our last recording of mm-hmm. 2020, and I was thinking about the like the week that everything locked down, and I remember talking to you and being like, "How the hell are we going to record a podcast tomorrow? Like, how are yeah. we going to do this thing that's that is normally such a normal part of the TikTok of our weeks?" and I honestly don't remember that show or anything that happened mm-hmm. on it. Um, but the regularity of like coming into the, the space that we have and doing the show and doing all of the book things and all the ridiculous things that have evolved over the years and hearing from everybody who is a part of this, um, from all of the listeners about where they've been and how it's been going. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel uh, most years recording the podcast feels like sitting down and just talking to you in a way right. that's really wonderful. Like we're just talking to each other and other people happen to get to listen in. But this year it really did feel like we were talking to each other and to yeah. the community and feeling that was so meaningful. So thank you to everybody. Yeah. Happy new year, Jeff. We'll talk to you all soon. Read some books, take some time. Take a nap. Uh, To quote Sleepless in Seattle, breathe in and out. (laughs) Get up every morning. Keep doing it. Talk to you soon.